the responsibility of running a state's high school sports program, and, and I mean the entire sports program, every boys sport, every girls sport, the unified sports, is, in a word, daunting. Throw in a global pandemic and the decisions become exponentially harder to make and the consequences of those decisions send shockwaves out in massive ripples that impact pretty much everybody. Student athletes, coaches, parents, fans, local journalists, everybody. The eventual loss of the 2020 spring lacrosse season was tough. And as I said, it was tough on everybody. The rationale behind the cancellation of spring was an interesting story unto itself. At first, many felt it was a rash decision, but eventually even most of the hardliners came to understand that this thing is bigger than the game of lacrosse. Let's face it, it's, it's bigger than the game of anything. I'm Woody Thompson, and this is Lax's Life. Greg Simon is the Associate Executive Director of the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference, the CIAC. Greg's chief responsibilities are the administration of CIAC-sponsored sports, coordination of the various CIAC Board of Control and Sport Committees, and management of communications with member schools relative to policies and procedures. He joined the CIA in 2017 after a highly successful 17-year run as the director of athletics at Newtown High School, where I got to know him pretty well. Greg was also a highly successful girls basketball coach at Newtown from 1991 to 2004, and because I live here and I've had kids go to that school and play sports there, I've known Greg for about 20 years. I found him to be a smart, fair, engaging guy who has really done great things in jobs that don't usually make you a lot of friends outside of your peers. And Greg Simon is our guest today on Lax's Life. Thank you, Willie. It's great to be here. Hey, listen, um, you cover basically every sport and always have, so we're going to talk about that, but we're going to come around eventually to focus on lacrosse. You know me well enough to know that that was always going to happen here, so... um, but first and foremost, I want to make sure that you and your family and everybody's doing okay and uh, staying busy and staying healthy during this bizarre time in our lives. Uh, yes, it is, and I'm very lucky. You know, my family is safe and well, and and we're not we haven't killed each other yet inside the house with all of our offices and use of the internet and every in every room, and it's been okay. And I hope you're doing well as as well. We are uh, we are managing as best we can here. Thanks very much. So, listen, take us inside uh, the CIAC and, and and give us a glimpse at what guys what you guys were up to as you started to basically realize that you were going to have to cancel the remainder of the 2020 winter sports season. Really, mostly the playoffs. I think is where you guys were. And, and and when that became a reality, and what was the general tenor, and, and how were you guys approaching that? Because I think, you know, just to to realize the gravity of that decision is is amazing to comprehend. Absolutely, Woody. It's something that I look back on now and just uh, shake my head and and how difficult all those days were, and and all the decisions that had to be made. But we, you know, we started to hear rumors from schools, uh, especially in Fairfield County, that uh, they were beginning to give half days to their students 
and have professional development days where they were planning to not come back to school and be able to teach virtually. And I remember hearing that for the first time and thinking, wow, that's, that's a little dramatic, you know, and not really understanding the gravity of it. You know, we started to realize that we weren't going to be able to finish the girls' tournament. Really, the boys' tournament had just gotten underway along with ice hockey as well as, you know, boys' swim. And, um, you know, we, we, we had to make some decisions. So we began to meet on a regular basis, talk to a large number of people, and finally we met, I believe, on that Tuesday morning. And we sat in an office with all the tournament directors, everybody at CIAC, and just cashed it all out. And we all agreed at that point there was no reason to continue because we clearly were not going to be playing by the end of the week um, because of all the information we had at hand from a lot of our member schools. And so we made the decision to pull the plug on the tournaments, which, of course, uh, created an, an eruption in the state of Connecticut. We were literally the first association in the country that was going to end its tournaments. And um, obviously we had a, a large protest at our office the next day, um, students and some adults. And, um, you know, obviously we felt terrible about it. But then we began to, you know, that night, I'll never forget, it, it was a Wednesday night. That night I was home and uh, the news of the NBA canceling their season uh, came, came across tw uh, Twitter. And people started texting me left and right, and all of a sudden the dominoes began to fall. And, um, you know, it, it kind of, we, we, we knew we were making the right decision at the time, but at least we, you know, we had a little bit of validation that we did it for all the right reasons. Yeah. And I think as you and I have discussed on many occasions over the years, it really, it's always a matter of perspective, right? And that, that initial perspective that people, I would imagine, certainly players, you know, and, and to be fair, the players and, and the athletes and, and the kids are the ones who matter here. But, you know, what I was seeing on social media was primarily parent driven. And I think that at that point in time, people lacked perspective on what was really going on and what was to come. And, you know, I, I you know, certainly there is so much frustration and disappointment, but there's no question that the right move was made given everything that came down the pike. And I'm, you know, was the same, did you hear some of the same uh, opinions and, and outcry from the peanut gallery when you made the decision that, you know, spring eventually, and, and I know it was a gradual process where spring was going to be delayed, then spring was maybe just going to be a tournament and then spring was canceled altogether. Did you receive that? Did people have the proper perspective at that point or did you guys receive more grief? I think, you know, it was kind of interesting because you really, it was a, you know, with the winter season, we had already concluded, you know, the entire regular season. We had concluded all the league tournaments, you know, several of our state tournaments, including wrestling had already concluded. So there was just that little piece left. And, and obviously the, the you know the attention that our winter tournaments get is tremendous. I mean it's it's incredible throughout the state. So obviously the uh, you know the people throughout the state who love high school sports and they were very very outspoken at that time. But as we headed into the spring, I think most people began to, as you said it before, you know had a better perspective as to what was going on here. That this was much larger than perhaps we originally thought it would be. And we really, honestly, the fact that we held on, we were, believe it or not, we were the, 
50th state to cancel spring sports. We were the last one. You know, we held on as long as we could uh, until the, the governor, you know, closed schools, um, you know, in-person schools for the rest of the year. You know, we had we had developed all of our plans, you know, exactly what the spring would look like. Uh, we had obviously we meet with our athletic directors once a week on Friday morning. We started about eight or nine weeks ago meeting with them uh, through Zoom. And, and, you know, we had, we had really talked it through um, to try to figure out how we could salvage a small season, you know, for our kids. Because, again, I, everybody at CIAC, everybody who works up there, they're all former teachers, all former athletic directors, principals, you know, coaches. You know, we there's no one who wanted to see winter come to such an abrupt end or, or spring not happen. But you just have to be realistic with, with, with the way things were going on and, and have an approach that we have to do what's, you know, what's safe for our kids. And, and that's, that's the perspective you always need to have. No, there's, there's no question about that. And again, I think uh, as people, uh, as we have the ability to look back on it and recognize, you know, what was happening in the world and overall, um, again, back to that, that notion of perspective, I think, uh, as disappointed as as kids and fans and parents and frankly administrators and coaches uh, are, um, that will fade um, as as we get back and perhaps there's even a greater appreciation now for for playing the games and and getting back on the field. Sure, I've actually seen seniors who have you know written some really nice documents and spoken out and posted on Twitter where they said you know we we always kind of took it for granted and they were speaking kind of to the younger people on their teams saying, don't ever take it for granted, you know, with what happened to us. And I think I'd be remiss in saying that, you know, we're, we're talking about athletics, but, but again, you know, the school has so many other, uh, with proms and, and everything else that it's, it's all those things were lost. Right. Musical and it's amazing. That they, sure. Musical productions, all of those things were lost. You know, we focus on athletics because that's kind of what we do. Right. But, but I, you know, after being in a school my whole life for 35 years in a school, you know, there's so much great stuff that happens throughout the spring at high schools. And I just breaks my heart that those, uh, those students won't get the opportunity to experience it. You know, my son actually mentioned to me while we were discussing it, um, gee, Dad, it's like everybody tore their ACL all at once. <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh, a great, great analogy. Yeah. All right, so look, let's, let's focus a little bit on lacrosse. That's what we're doing here. Um, listen, my opinion and, and many others is that as far as Connecticut goes, lacrosse, uh, Connecticut produces probably the greatest talent uh, for that next level uh, in lacrosse, and more so probably than any other sport. The numbers may be different, but in terms of per capita players generating, uh, you know, whether it's Division One, Division Two, or Division Three, Connecticut has really cut itself a, a nice uh, place in the lacrosse world. And as that reputation continues to grow, certainly uh, led by the FCAC, um, I'm wondering if the CIAC recognizes that or is that really just immaterial in, in the greater scheme of things because there's so many sports and you, you can't 
you can't focus on one, but I guess part of my thought process here in asking this question is football is and has so long been such a huge part of our culture and it generates revenue and it fills stands and football is king. But in terms of Connecticut high school football, it's not exactly like we're pumping kids into major programs on a, on a nonstop level. But in lacrosse, we are. How do you guys at the CIAC view lacrosse and, and what's kind of the general purview of the Connecticut lacrosse scene from your uh, perspective? Well, it's been really fun. I mean, my time here in Connecticut watching lacrosse grow, you know, uh, from a very small programs and really isolated in areas throughout the state to being, I think we have 100 uh, boys lacrosse programs and 100 girls lacrosse programs now. And honestly, and you know, people like you and, and, and other people in different towns who play lacrosse on Long Island or perhaps in Maryland or somewhere else where it was hot, you know, brought it with them to their communities and built these feeder programs and these youth programs that then blossomed. And it was it's been a lot of fun to to, to be someone who's able to watch that happen with the sport and and clearly, you know, the ability of Connecticut high schools to play at a extremely high level is apparent. And when you see that all the way through, even with our college programs here in Connecticut, Connecticut has become a very much a hot spot for lacrosse, you know, uh, throughout the country. With that said, you know, we don't, we don't really take a lot of solace in, in how many kids are going on to play at high levels of college, you know, participate in college. You know, we, we see education based athletics, you know, we see the fact that we want our kids to and our coaches to see athletics as an extension of the classroom for kids to enjoy themselves, you know, for kids to, 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 to play the sport for honestly for the love of the sport. But being a former coach, being a former AD, man, I do love to watch high level lacrosse. It is probably one of my favorite sports to go out and watch. And it's been a pleasure to watch it really blossom. Like I said, uh, during my, my years uh, being involved in high school athletics here in Connecticut. So the way everything is set up right now, um, you've got three classes, both in boys and girls. So you've got the large schools, obviously, are class L, medium schools are class M, and the small schools are class S. And that's that's not the way it works in, for instance, basketball, I know, where there is there are other factors taken into consideration. And I kind of feel like a lot of the people who are closest to lacrosse see the same type of scenario where, you know, when, for instance, New Canaan was in Class M, but highly competitive with Darien, uh, it was a shame to not see them compete for a state championship. And that, that you know, that seems to be that New Canaan-Darien line between, and, and even Wilton, uh, between Class L and Class M seems to blur on an annual basis based upon enrollment. But is there, is there any chance or has there been any talk about revising the format for Connecticut High School Lacrosse? To, to have it based on kind of merit or program quality versus simply school size? Again, you know, the, the, the CIC board control oversees our organization, and it's made up of principals from throughout, throughout the state. And that board of control delegates the responsibility of running athletics to the different sport committees that oversee each of our sports. So if the boys lacrosse committee wanted to make some changes in how they set up their divisions 
they it would be well within their rights if if a league or if a uh, four different uh, groups can make proposals uh, to us. That could be a league. That could be the Connecticut Association of Athletic Directors. That could be the Connecticut High School Coaches Association or a building principal. We're, we're to make a proposal to us to make some changes in the way we design lacrosse divisions. That would be up to them, and certainly it would be given you know every opportunity to succeed. I mean, that's where the basketball proposal came from. You know, and, and quite honestly, it received a lot of traction because you know you had a large number of, of schools of choice that were winning many of the lower divisions in boys basketball. And I think when you look at lacrosse, you know, one thing we always talk about is, you know, when you have highly successful public school programs that don't receive kids from outside their borders, you know, to try to make them play at higher classes, everybody always uses the Antonia football as the prime example, you know. But if you're not receiving kids from outside your borders and you've just built a tremendous program like a New Canaan or a Darien or a Wilton, then your enrollment is where you should play. You know, we don't try to create super divisions. That, I think, is more for spectators than it is for anyone else. They would love to see those matchups, you know, that tournament of champions kind of idea. I mean, the reason the, the boys' basketball division one was created was to try to solve a problem which had plagued boys' basketball and that was that schools of choice were just dominating the lower divisions. And in, in, in boys lacrosse, you know, other than St. Joe's, I think I, I was doing a little research for this when, you know, before we, we began to speak. And that, Fairfield Prep hasn't won a state championship since 2013. So I think it really it's only St. Joe's in Class S, you know, that's been a school of choice that's had a lot of success in that tournament format. Well, we'll get, we'll get to school of choice in a moment, but so, uh, you know, so, but you got schools that are always competitive in that, in that small group, whether it's Weston or Summers or, um, you know, there are other schools in, in the Eastern part of the state that I think would benefit. But I think what you're really saying here is, is that nobody, nobody's asking for this to happen. And I may be looking for an answer to a question that nobody's asking. Uh, Again, I think the beauty of our organization is, again, I've said this lots of times in interviews, that when people don't understand the CIAC, they think there's four or five guys sitting around a room smoking cigars, you know, deciding how sports will be run in the state of Connecticut. And everyone who works in CIAC, none of us are voting members on any committees. We don't get to propose ideas. You know, we basically oversee and we we react as liaisons between our organization and all of our committees. That would be, so let's a, that say, would be a cool job, though, wouldn't it, to be just with a cigar in a room <laughs> making all the decisions? That would be pretty cool. But, you know, if, they, if an FCAC decides, the FCAC's really good about putting proposals together. They've, they've presented a lot of proposals during my time at CIAC looking for changes in, in rules and in sports like soccer and tennis and, and things. So, you know, if they decide and they wanted to put a proposal together, which says, hey, we, we, we think, you know, uh, divisions in boys lacrosse should be more geared toward ability than they are toward size of school. Then that would be looked at and would, you know, we, we, we would see what our membership wants to do. I mean, again, we were a member-driven organization. If our members tell us they want to do something, it's done. There's nothing, you know, that, that's it. But trying to get an entire membership of 185 schools to all, you know, want to do something the same way, 
you know, you look at boys basketball tournament, which took over two years to try to get all the schools and somewhat agree on what that should look like. You know, it's not as easy as it may, may appear. So even the tournament of champions idea is probably something that is just not doable based upon length of the season, school year, and just logistics in general. I think when you talk about spring sports, you know, you are, your back is up against the wall at the end of the season. You're trying desperately not to impinge on, you know, senior trips, senior dance, senior this, senior awards night under a playoff. Every, it seems like every single night in June, there's some night, you know, or, or event that our student athletes need to be at. And we're always trying to manipulate times and move things around. Now, I think it would be difficult. I don't think it would be impossible. I, I've heard, you know, people talk about a volleyball tournament of champions because some, a lot of times the S schools and the M schools are actually some of the better volleyball programs, and it might be fun to see. You know, certainly I think it may be conducive in some sports to play a tournament of champions. Spring sports would, would be a challenge. But I, I never say never because if our membership wanted to do it and they felt strongly about it, you know, we, we started playing a um, – a golf open championship. It was the only individual sport that didn't have an open championship. And, uh, two or two years ago or so, the proposal came to the golf committee to begin a, a state open for golf, um, which of course is a spring sport. And, you know, we were able to figure out the days and how to make that work. And, you know, now we have a, an open championship in golf. So really it's, it's, it's up to the membership as to what they would like us to do. High school golf should definitely be a fall sport, by the way. There's no doubt in my mind about that. <laughs> Listen, man, we just fought that battle for nine months, <laughs> and we and the, the the final decision was to leave it in the fall. So, you know, we have an interesting proposal on the table for golf right now, which came from one of our from the Connecticut High School Coach Association. So that may that may solve all the problems, but right. we'll, we'll see. Right now, that's in the vetting process. All right, my last topic, and you know from knowing me that it's a hot one. Um, I'm still possessed with this idea because I'm from Long Island and New York State where this doesn't happen. Why are private schools that draw students from all over allowed to compete against schools that are solely made up of student athletes who are living in that town? Well, first of all, they're all members of the CIAs. So they're all members of the same organization. They pay the same dues. They follow the same rules. They're just like every other school. So their ability to draw students from another town, we use uh, a success factor in several sports, including football and soccer and girls basketball, where we move uh, uh, schools of choice from lower divisions to upper divisions based on their success in our tournament. All of our, the Board of Control has given the power for all of our sports to, to do that. And that's one way that we can do, that we can move those schools up. The simple answer, Woody, is, you know, there's 70 plus schools of choice in the state of Connecticut. And their characteristics are about as varied as you can possibly imagine. From tiny Catholic schools to huge Catholic schools to technical schools, which draw from multiple towns, charter schools, magnet schools, you name it, those are all schools of choice. So to single out Catholic schools or parochial schools to create their, some, their own rules and their own division, it would just go against the fact that we're all part of the same organization. Again, technical schools draw kids from all over the city, all over the area. 
they are a school of choice. So it doesn't it doesn't make any sense that the technical schools technical schools play the technical schools and the parochial schools play the parochial schools just because of the different nature of the schools that that's the that's the general theory. Well, they actually do. The technical schools all play in their own league. So if you had a state championship, it would be a you know, a league championship. You know, all the tech schools play in the same league. Catholic schools play throughout the state. You know, the, the, the ability for all of them to come together and play in their own state tournament, then you're going to ask an Immaculate, a St. Bernard's, to play against a Xavier and a Fairfield Prep. Yeah, this is an argument I'm never going to win. So I, I, I completely understand the position. And I, you know, you know where the frustration comes from. And, and since, sure. they, since they, you know, I, I think the thing is that people like me who see kids for great reasons going to private schools um, and leaving the hometown program, there definitely is a sense of loss and, and, and wishful thinking that they had, would have had a chance to contribute to kind of the local success. But there are many decisions that are made upon where to send your kid to school uh, for a number of reasons, and hopefully it's all the right ones. So I'm, I'm, sta I'm stating here for posterity, I'm giving up this argument and I'm no longer going to care about it. <laughs> you and I have talked about this for 20 years, so this will be the end of an era if we actually do that. But all I will say is if you really sit down and analyze and you really sit down like I have, I just want you to be aware that in several sports in Connecticut, schools of choice are moved up divisions. So that happens. You know, an immaculate um, girls soccer lots of times winds up playing an L rather than an S because of their success. And all sports have that available to them if their sport committee chooses to take a look at that. So that's one way of dealing with it without excluding uh, schools and putting them in their own divisions in their own brackets. As you well know, in New York State and New Jersey, there's, there's, there's enough Catholic schools. You know, there are enough of them to be able to play right. small division, large division, all that. In Connecticut, I think there's 14 total. I mean, it may not even be 14. Trinity just closed. So maybe more like 12. I mean, it's not, it's not going to happen in our state. But what we can do is if we feel that there's an advantage given to any school, any school of choice, that those schools can be moved up divisions so that we can have more of a pure class S, class M uh, type tournaments, which is what many of our member schools desire. All right. Well, I'm satisfied that it's all in the best interest of, uh, of the, the kids uh, to make things as competitive as they can be while maintaining uh, a level of uh, stability and consistency. So you've, you've talked me off the ledge and I, and for that, I appreciate it. I love it. it. Um, I love it. Listen, I want to thank you very much for, for coming on today and giving us some of your thoughts about what's gone on here in the past several months. Um, we're, we've got our fingers crossed for a, a, a great fall high school sports season in the state of Connecticut. And, and I hope you know, and, and all of your uh, fellow compatriots there at the CIAC, that, that we all who are fans of Connecticut high school sports really appreciate the work you do, understand the responsibility that you have. And to, to quote a phrase, you can't please everybody, but you guys uh, do a great job and, and do the best you can to make sure it's right for the kids. So thanks very much for that. I appreciate it, buddy. It's always great to talk to you. Say hi to the kids for me. Will do, Greg. 
So an interesting perspective there from the administrative side of things. I hope you'll forgive me my indulgence in the topic of public versus private, but it has been something that has been on a lot of people's minds over the years, and I think Greg kind of put that to rest, at least for me. Please join us again further down the road, and we'll examine more issues and talk to more people who make Connecticut High School across what it is today. I'm Woody Thompson. Thanks for listening.